Retro Rebel Gamecast, episode 25, is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook and 30-day trial at audibletrial.com slash Toddcast. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, or MP3 player. Welcome to the Retro Rebel Gamecast, where we discuss gaming and related topics for you, the listeners. Retro Rebel is released every week, and you can find this episode and much more by heading to templeofgeek.com, iTunes, or Stitcher. You can even find us on Facebook, at Temple of Geek, for other content and see what else we're up to. My name is Stacy, and I am one of your hosts, and with me today is my fellow rebel, Amanda. Amanda, what are you doing? Hello. Hello. How are you? Good. We're having a, a spa day in the garden. And reading Cosmopolitan and drinking iced coffees. What more do you need? I'm just saying that <laughs> sounds uh, as perfect as it gets in England. Is it? Amen. Amen. <laughs> oh, I don't know. We don't know things like that in America. We don't really get out much. England's in books. You'll still wear red coats. No. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, so what have you been up to? What have you been playing? Uh, well, it's more what have I downloaded and then got busy all week and didn't have a chance to play. <laughs> Man, yeah, I completely understand that. So what have you downloaded to play later? Uh, so Halo Wars 2 came in, which is apparently some sort of RTS Halo hybrid situation. Yeah. So it's downloaded, it's cute, it's ready, and I'm going to be uh, checking out that bad boy. But uh, I had a friend of mine in town from Canada and so we ended up going down to the beach in Brighton one day and going up to Glasgow and drinking ourselves silly. So we're kind of busy. A <laughs> hundred gins. Twenty. Twenty. 20. I think that's totally a reasonable that's number. That's between eighteen and a hundred. Well, yeah, technically. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, so that's is that the only one that you've got queued up? Uh, at the moment, yeah, because uh, I've got lots of things sort of on my hard drive, but nothing really piquing my interest to starting. So I'm going to play uh, Halo Wars and see how we get on. It might not be my cup of tea, because obviously I'm used to Halo being a shooter, so we'll see how right. it goes. Well, and did you have you played many RTSs? Not many, no. So I think it'll be a very different sort of experience for me. Right. Yeah, and if Blizzard didn't make it as far as RTS goes, I didn't play it. So I've played StarCraft, <laughs> WarCraft. Um, WarCraft's really where it started for me, and, and StarCraft I, I didn't really get into when it first came out. But I did play Halo Wars, the first one, when it came out. And I liked yeah. it, but I was, I've was i never been a Halo fan, Like not a, not like a fanboy or whatever. I've, I've enjoyed it. But I always played it for the campaign. I think I've said this on a previous podcast. So I'm the only person maybe in the world that played it strictly for the campaign. So um, didn't get online to play. I thought it was so stupid you could jump 100 feet in the air and throw a sticky grenade on me and I couldn't see you and then I'd blow up. I said, like, fuck you. I don't play this game. Anyway. <laughs> um, exactly. Well, you're probably good at it. you know. And I come in more power to all those oh, that I... are good at it. 
you know, it's just not just not my shooter. Speaking of shooters, I'm terrible at. Um, I played Overwatch uh, a considerable bit. I got to level. There you go. I think I got to level ten. Um, but I was at level zero or one, so wherever you start. Uh, and I just played until I got to level ten, and and uh, kind of got mesmerized. I just was playing, and um, even though I'm not great, it's every now zone. and then, yeah, I was in the zone, and even though I didn't do you know really well, or I didn't, I don't think I did. I, uh, you know, every now and then I'd have some success. I always play with Reaper for the most part. Uh, I do play with healers sometimes and, and defensive players, uh, but Reaper is really my favorite character on there. And um, and so you know I I uh, I enjoyed it. I, I mean I, I didn't get I didn't get you know my ass handed to me as much as I thought I might uh, or as as I typically do in shooters. So I, I enjoyed it enough. Um, so that was one. But while I was playing that, I was downloading. Uh, I think it's Shadows of Mordor. Uh, oh, oh no, 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 no. No good. Mm-mm. You didn't enjoy it. It's got the same sort of. Uh, if it's the one I'm thinking of, it's the same sort of Assassin's Creed difficult to control protagonist who doesn't stop on a dime when you want him to stop. Yeah. He's kind of like The Witcher. He takes like another step or two, and I just find that really hard, especially because a lot of it was melee combat. Right. And. uh yeah, no, I just got completely owned. I couldn't, I couldn't grasp the, the plot fast enough. Well, with the sales, I, I think I only played it for ten minutes. <laughs> well, that probably wasn't enough. Um, uh, with the sales that are going on on Xbox, I it was four dollars. So, um, eh, try it for four bucks. But yeah, yeah, I couldn't get into it. Maybe it's your thing. Well, it, it, it uh, when I saw it come out, it, it seemed like it might be. It looks like it is kind of stealthy. Um. I like the Lord of the Rings lore, so uh, I thought I might enjoy it. But uh, again, like I said, it, downloading something takes forever. So uh, sometime mid-July, I'll be trying it. So maybe on the next podcast, you'll know. But uh, yeah, nice. yeah. Uh, and then I guess uh, in a in unrelated, you know, gaming news or related gaming news in terms of uh, this podcast, but something that you're probably not quite as interested in is they just announced the new expansion for Hearthstone, which, uh, you know, I'm partial. I mean, I loved Magic the Gathering. I didn't play the Gwent, uh, or that that particular card game, but Hearthstone, I've really, really enjoyed. Uh, I've played every single one of the expansions. Um, This one, they're doing something a little bit different, where they, if you you know the lore of Warcraft, basically what they're doing is they're taking all the all the hero characters that you can play from each of the classes, they're taking them all to Northrend and basically making them all Death Knights or like Death Knights. So there's a hero card that you can play, which is the first of its type, which turns, if you're playing Jaina Proudmoore, then it turns her into, you know, a Death Knight, more or less. It changes her hero power, uh, you know, changes... And there's a, you know, it's an expansion, so it comes with all of its own cards specific to it, and then eventually they're going to release the Lich King uh, with it. So, uh, and the the, deni- di- the dynamic that they've that they've uh, kind of released with this, and and I guess it was two expansions ago where they, you can't just use any of the cards. They've kind of retired some cards in the main ranked matches, 
to uh, they've retired some cards that were either overpowered or that everybody played, uh, and to kind of change it up so that if you wanted to do a standard ranked match, you can only use the last, I believe it's the last three expansions of cards, and then whatever your whatever the normal cards, uh, the standard cards that have come out that are still acceptable, you can use any of those, and then the last three expansions, I believe. Uh, I could be wrong with that, um, but it's something like that. And that helps. I mean, it makes it different. It keeps it fresh, though, because you have to keep changing up your decks. You can't use the same decks all the time. Uh, and then the overpowered decks that seem to, you know, or what, you know, they always end up nerfing one of them so that everybody kind of evens the playing field. Um, but it, it, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. It's supposed to come out in August, actually. So, but they just announced it, and they're going to be releasing different cards over the next few weeks. So, but so we got that going for us, which is nice. So, our first so. topic, yeah, our first main topic that I wanted to discuss today uh, is best and worst superhero video games. The uh, superhero shtick thing has been around for a while, and superhero video games have been around almost as long as console generation of video games since Nintendo. Uh in fact, there was a, a pretty good Batman game on Nintendo, uh, the the original NES. So, superhero games are nothing new, but there have been some iconically bad and good uh, superhero video games. So, first off, what would be one or the best superhero video game that, uh, in your opinion, that you've played? You may not have played all of them, but what's one of the best ones that you've ever played? Uh, I'd have to say... Marvel Ultimate Alliance and Ultimate Alliance 2. Nice. So I kind of like the kind of full screen four person couch co-op situation. Yeah. Um, and it's hard to get a game like that most of the time anyway. So it, it had pretty decent graphics. It, everything sort of flowed pretty easily. So you knew kind of where to go next. I always played this storm because it's pretty cool and she could fly and, um, you know, it's, it's kind of nice to get a, a three multiplayer situation going because if you've got all ground superheroes, then it, it kind of gets hard to see when there's all four of them. Right. Um, so if you've got like Iron Man and Storm in the team, then you've kind of got two up, two down. Right. Um, and it, it makes it easier to see. So I, it's, it's fun. There's lots of smashing about. Um, I generally think it's a pretty good franchise. And even though it's not, you know, current gen, it's also not super old, so the graphics are okay and they kind of stand up. So I would say it's a good, well-rounded playing experience. If I was going to pick the best, that's the most like well-rounded experience that I've been able to find in the genre. I think that's a very fair answer. See, that's why I mean, you balance this so well because I think you're more objective about this, and I'm totally fanboying it uh, when I think of it. Because when I go back and think about Ultimate Alliance, you're absolutely correct. That was one of my favorite, I think it was one of my favorite games of that generation, where it was just fun. And it was fun because you could unlock the other heroes, you know, if you beat it in a certain way. I think uh, I may have cheated and purchased uh, Silver Surfer. Um, mm -hmm. You had to beat it on, like, the ultimate difficulty or whatever. And uh, with only if you only played with two people, I know that they kind of ramped the difficulty depending on how many people you had out there or how yeah. many people were playing with you. Uh, 
But with two people, man, we just could not do it. Um, but anyway, yeah, I mean, I, and I usually played with Deadpool just because I liked that he could uh, teleport and he had guns and swords. And I didn't know a whole lot of, even about him then. I never really read his comic. Uh, I was a fan of other characters, loved Wolverine as well. So I, those were kind of two of the ones that I used the most. Um, but yeah, that's a good game. That's, that's a uh, that is a worthy best superhero video game for sure. Um, you know, I I, I tried. I, I was thinking about this actually all morning uh, when I was trying to think of topics, and I cannot get Batman out of my head. No. Yeah, I can't. No, I, can't I knew get, it. Yeah, I can't get Batman out of my head. Um, yeah, and and I think it's because uh, something that we may talk about later in this podcast, but I really, I just really enjoyed it as a superhero video game because it's the first time in any video game that I have played where I felt like, Especially because we're we're talking specifically about superheroes. I mean, you probably had this with other games and other characters, but it's the first time you got to really feel like what it was to be Batman. They've done it in other games and tried to like, and again, this is in my opinion. And Batman, I am partial. He's one of my favorite characters in, in comic book history ever. Just one of my favorite characters. And from the ability to dictate how you take down individuals, like how you how you took down enemies. Um, being able, just being a detective, uh, you just felt so powerful, and and I think it was, it was Arkham Asylum, the ver- the very first one, which is the one that I'm going to to pick is you know just because that was the first one to really do it, and I don't know, you just you got to step foot and be Batman, and it was the first time I ever felt that you really were that powerful and you were that intimidating, and if a whole room of people were there, you weren't. You didn't worry about it. You knew that you could drop a smoke pellet and beat everybody up and then disappear into the rafters and no one would find you. And that's exactly how I'd imagine Batman would be. Or or you'd hear everybody in the room as you dropped down, took somebody out, hook, hung, hung them upside down by their foot, and they're unconscious. And then you just rappel to the other gargoyle and you just sit there and wait. And everybody in the room is talking about, holy shit. What happened? The Batman's here. We got to get out of here, you know, or whatever. And it just, I don't know, it just, it made this atmosphere that was very real to what it, I think it would have been like to be Batman. So that's the easy answer. I did, I definitely took the easy road. Um, but like I said, I'm a fanboy. And that's why you're here, Amanda, is to keep us grounded and, and objective. <laughs> you're going to regret this. I know it. I always do. I always do. I always do. <laughs> so. As I as I sit here just waiting to see how I'm going to regret this, what what is the uh, what's a an example of one of the worst superhero video games? Is are you going to say Arkham Batman Arkham <laughs> Asylum? <laughs> <laughs> right. So here's my rationale for it, and I would agree that it's you feel like Batman or whatever, provided you aren't a completionist and provided you don't oh. realize the only way to get all of the Riddler's clues is to pretty much be in detective mode 24 seven. That is a good point. So that is why I found it to be the worst superhero game that I've ever played because I couldn't enjoy any of the graphics because any progression without 
being in detective mode meant that you missed Riddler puzzles and things like that. And it was counterproductive to my enjoyment of the game to have to be in this creepy black and white glowy night vision all of the time. Because, you know, I I realized very quickly on that if I wasn't in the night vision, I'd miss Riddler things. I have to go and do the chapter over again. Also, it's super long especially if that's how you're going to play it. Oh, yeah. So it just, you know, it it was very difficult. I wish I hadn't even tried to even pay any attention to the Riddler puzzles because if I hadn't, I probably would have enjoyed the game. I probably would have been looking at its full graphics and focusing on the combat and the story and the graphics and all that sort of stuff. But instead, I was like, I need to find every single nook and cranny and what's that glowy thing over there. And, you know, it kind of detracted from the story. And I think I only ever played it to 14% as a result because, yeah, because the entire thing was in black and white and glow. And I couldn't, I I didn't want to continue if I wasn't going to be able to do full completionist. And I couldn't play it knowing that there was glowy things I wasn't able to see. So I just felt like, you know, I'd, and and then I never played any more in the series after that fact, because every time I looked, they hadn't changed that part of the mechanic. And I just no, knew that's did. how. So that would be why that is kind of the worst one that I've ever played, because it, it was like all consuming and, and the puzzles were interesting enough to also grab your attention. Yeah, no, I, I completely. That's a, that's an absolutely valid point. And to be completely honest, even if you weren't going as a completionist and you didn't necessarily want to just get all the Riddler puzzles, I found myself in detective mode most of the time. Also, because it's the only way you could really see where everybody was. If I mean, if you really truly wanted to make sure you didn't alert anybody, you had to stay in detective mode. And when you would come out, and thankfully they fixed it to where at least when you finished your series of whooping everybody's ass, that it would come out of detective mode to show like the killing blow or the last two blows so mm-hmm. that you could actually see some of the graphics. Because um, it does look so much better if you're not in detective mode when you're, you know, chaining moves from character to character. I mean, that looked, I mean, it was really awesome. But it, you missed most of that because you're looking at their skeleton, you know, or looking yeah. at their, uh, their x-ray. Everybody was just skeletal all yeah. the time. And I, I found that incredibly distracting. And I don't, even if I had played it and detected the whole thing, I don't think I would have been able to do a full completionist anyway, because sometimes the, the hidden stuff wasn't necessarily anywhere you would think to look right. like if you were doing, a lot of ground level combat. Sometimes the puzzles were like off of gargoyles, like near the top. And if you didn't look up there, you would like never get it. I don't know. I just, I found it very frustrating. It was difficult to focus on anything other than the fact that it was a 60, you know, $60 game that looked like nightmare before Christmas, you know? Right. So, (laughs) I mean, sorry. (laughs) No, I think it's fair. I mean, I, I, I think that I can overlook that just because of everything else. I mean, that being a part of it, but maybe also being its biggest weakness. Absolutely its biggest weakness. Um, but because you could be, eh, you know, I mean, it's it's valid. It's a valid point. Um, but I stand by my answer just because 
I think that if you look at the the pantheon of games, and you and you try to to come up with one that's even that's better necessarily, I mean, there aren't very many really great superhero games that I can think of off the top of my head that I played. I mean, there are good ones. There are good games that are that seem to be fun. I think Ultimate Alliance is one that's kind of difficult to even criticize um, because you get all their powers. Well, you get most every character has a series of specific powers to them, and so every character is unique to play. And so it's fun. You can play with other characters, and that's actually fun to play. It's not like you're getting a reskinned individual that has the same powers. You get mm-hmm. um, with Arkham with Arkham City, what I or Arkham. Uh, Asylum, I liked that you got a hush style, all of the different villains of his, of, of his, you know, of, of that are specific to Batman and, and Gotham City. Um, everything that was specific to them and their backstory, including Bane, um, which I don't think he was, he, yeah, I don't think he was in that one. I think he was in the second one. Um, but even so, I mean, you, you got the Bane from the comics, not the Bane from the movies or anything else. I even mm-hmm. had a Spanish accent. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, that, that's a, that's difficult to argue, which, you know, brings me to the, you know, the, the worst superhero video games for me. And as I was looking through it, I said, I, I mean, I, I can't, I can't, <laughs> I can't pick just one. Everybody could pick, uh, I mean, if you were just going through in the all-time, one of the worst games in the history is, is the Superman on N64. Um, just because controlling was bad, it wasn't like playing S- Superman. Um, and honestly, it just it just was bad. It was just a bad game. It wasn't done well. Um, and I think it's Superman 64, I think is what it was. Um I would I would have to say for me the worst superhero video game uh, that I ever I have ever played honestly ever played for any length of time uh, would be Catwoman. Um, Catwoman would be the worst and and it's I think I'm biased because of how much I hate the movie. Oh, you played that? I did, I did, <laughs> but again, I didn't buy it, I didn't rent it, uh, and that's why I wanted that little. I wanted to make sure that that caveat was in there. I played it. I didn't buy it or rent it. Uh, I did have enough experience with it to make a decision, at, at least ten minutes worth, uh, where where I decided I just I don't. I, this is this is actually worse than the movie. This game is actually nah. worse than the movie. Um, there's just no connection to anything that the character was really about. Um, it's just terrible. It's terrible. It doesn't. It, it's barely even a superhero game, I think, in name only. And so I think that's why it fits in this category. But it was terrible. And uh, But as I was saying, if you go back and you look at all the superhero games, can you name another one, Amanda? Another Name another really good superhero. The only one I can really think of that, that I ever wanted to play, and from what I've heard, it was really good, is City of Heroes. And that's not actually... A superhero, or at least what we would consider, uh, you know, like our contemporary actual established characters. I mean, it's not a comic, yeah. Right. It's not a comic. But in a way, you get to be a superhero, you know, or a superhero. Oh, yeah. It was great. I played that game for years. And so I would say that that was probably, 
another one of the the best. But I can't think of any other good ones. No, nah, the Deadpool game was great. Oh yeah, you're right. The one on uh... it was great. It's even worth watching on YouTube, even if you don't get to play. It's it. hilarious. Just like watch the cutscenes on YouTube because it's so funny. It's hilarious. Uh, that was that was one of my favorite things. Uh, me and one of my best friends just tried to see how long they'd actually let you slap Wolverine after you wrecked the the ship. You could just I, I'm not sure how long it is, but they will let you do it for a long time. Yeah, and it's a good while. It's, it's a good while. <laughs> um, yeah, just uh, that that was a great. But I also got to a point in that game where I couldn't. It was so repetitive that I didn't. Uh, I, I enjoyed it, and then the the parts of it that were funny, which was everything really. That whenever he would say something, and they didn't repeat things enough to where it got annoying. Uh, but the enemy types and some of the some of the battles, uh, it just I got I got weary of, and so I been, I don't even think I finished that particular game. I still have it on my 360, but well, good. Yeah, superhero games. Suck it up. Make them better. That's brought to you by our sponsor, Audible.com. Did you listen to us last week? Why haven't you switched your code yet? Throw us a bone and receive a free audiobook download and 30-day trial and check out their service. Amanda, what's our recommendation this week? Our recommendation this week is something completely different. It is the complete first season of the Ricky Gervais show, um, which is like sort of a... Uh, radio type podcasty show that they did uh, with Carl Pilkington and he's just so funny and um, they like turned it into a TV series as well which is hilarious but you can listen to uh, pretty much all of the seasons from what I can see available with the free trial and with your uh, Audible subscription. That is awesome. Now who was the other guy that used to be on their show with them that played Caliban? Steve Merchant. Yeah he's good too. They're all funny. They're all hilarious. You can head over to audibletrial.com slash Toddcast to get that free title now, or you can choose from over 180,000 other titles today. That's like almost a million. Support us by heading to audibletrial.com slash Toddcast and get your free 30-day trial started today. Next topic, a topic near and dear to many podcasters, and uh, I think that we both would have uh, strong feelings about this particular topic. So what sort of in-game purchases are you okay with? And what sort seem to infuriate or piss you off the most? So what sort of in-game purchases are cool or are you cool with? Uh, anything cosmetic. I mean, doesn't impact the game. If you want to look cool, do it. You know, it doesn't bother me at all. Um, generally fine with anything like that. Um, like random loot boxes. I don't really mind those, um, provided you can get them some sort of other way. Right. Uh, but if you, if you want to buy 10 or 20 crates and it's not like a guaranteed ultra rare or something like this, that would take forever to drop. Um, I generally am fine with that. Um, like leveling sticks and MMOs and things like that. So like provided you have already leveled, a character to the max level and have one at the max level, then if you want to kind of insta level and alt or whatever, do it. You know, that, that sort of content, especially in MMOs is not fun after the second, third time that you do it, generally speaking. Not unless you're going from another perspective. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I generally don't, don't mind that. Now, obviously if you haven't played that faction before or whatever, 
you know, I think they need to be a bit more restrictive about that so that you can get some of the background or, or something like that. But if you just want an alt of a similar class or something, you know, right. why not? I'm not worried about that. Um, I, I generally disagree with any sort of just buying in-game currency or alternate in-game currencies. I just think it gets messy and weird. I don't know why they need weird different paywalls where there's literally no way you can get this sort of currency at all. Um, In fact, a lot of the perfect world um, manufacturer, distributor, whatever they are, a lot of their games, they do like Neverwinter, they do Star Wars. only currency there's a daily limit refined currency and then there's just like the currency from things that you sell yeah so there's three different type currencies and i just find it super tedious because you don't know first off how much of each you would really want or need i think having a daily cap of refining a currency is weird and strange um I guess that they want people to be active and stuff like that. But if I'm this close to getting an item, I don't want to have to log in tomorrow and get it. I, I just find that sort of time sensitive, triple currencies yeah, really like false, strange. It's a false uh, kind of check, you know, where it forces you to come back when, you know, and, and, and it, uh, it doesn't. It's not a true measure of like how long it takes to do something. It's like it, this is actually forcing you to log back into the game. It's kind of like dailies, only it's the worst kind of daily, you know. Yeah, and generally speaking, I don't, I don't really like the concept of dailies either. I've never seen them executed well. Yeah. So, generally speaking, it's like. It's hard to explain, but generally speaking, you go to a contact and then they send you somewhere to do something. It tends to be like fairly repetitive. It also doesn't like take very long. Right. I don't know. It just kind of feels like a bit of weird busy work when most games have been out for at least a decent amount of time have a lot of mainline story content. I don't know why you would want to be sidetracked in doing some sort of arbitrary daily mission that usually requires you to travel, which may or may not require you to spend credits to do if you want to get there in any reasonable amount of time. I don't know. I just um, those sort of in-game purchases that are related to it having three different levels of currencies and stuff like that. I just I don't know. I don't think anybody's sort of solved the gold farming problem right, because they've yeah. just sort of created other currencies that can't be farmed right. but have no relative value. I I don't know. It's, it's super strange. And then the other thing is, is drops that you get that can only be unlocked with purchased stuff. Yeah. I find that annoying because it takes up space in your inventory so then you need to make a choice if you're ever going to purchase it in the future, how much you think you will purchase and whether it's worth holding on to or whether you should sell them at the auction house, hold it on to, just destroy them. You know, yeah. it, it makes a very weird conundrum. So I think I don't agree with any sort of um, coercion of in-game purchases by clogging up your inventory with stuff that you need to buy. Right. 
Okay. But the, any cosmetic things, whatever, you know, fill your boots. What about additional DLC? Fine. Yeah, yeah. So, so an in-game DLC. Is there something particular about the the in-game DLC that makes it worth your time to purchase, or that you think should have been included? You know, I mean, do you? Where do you draw the line there? So I I'll buy any story content that isn't available on day one. So I I kind of draw the line if if they come out with day one story content, I'm kind of like why wasn't that in the game to start with? But after, you know, a month of release or whatever, if they've worked on new content and it's ready, then I'll buy it. I've I've bought all the expansions for um Dragon Age all of the Dragon Ages, uh most of the Mass Effects, mo- you know, most of the key titles where I'm interested in continuing the story, um, all of the fallouts. I think it's worth it. What I generally don't buy is item packs, like store stuff, you know, where yeah, like you get yeah. access to an exclusive merchant or whatever. Like, don't charge me for that. Just put the merchant in the game. What are you doing? Like right. that should be part of a story content. Like you know, but I think generally the big, um, the big RPG titles do good DLC where you feel like it's worth it. You get a lot of content, a lot of story, new arcs, new companions, like all that sort of stuff makes it worth it. Um, I generally don't find any of the costuming stuff is something that I buy, although I'm not opposed to it. I'm sure people do, but right. I, I'm not interested oh, in that people, generally speaking people do it i mean they they've been uh they they still continue to to put stuff out there that um people purchase pre-purchase you know they they will purchase it before they're even actually able to use it um but yeah i'm i'm with you on that i i think that uh you know i purchased all of the uh all the mass effect dlc uh for the first three games um i purchased uh I, I think I may have gotten one of the Dragon Age. I'm, I want to get the Witcher stuff, um, but the re, you know, and I think with uh, one of the, uh, it may have been Mass Effect Two, where there was a character you could actually buy, um, and the character you bought, he was a mercenary. He, if you bought him, he just kind of showed up at one of these ports, and you could go get him, and he'd join your crew, and then from there, you know, like each one of the characters, he had his own storyline. Now, why I accept that, and why I think that that's okay, is because if you did not pick up that character, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily affect the story. All it did was enhance it, so it would it would give you more background, more lore. It kind of tied some other things together. But had you not done that, it didn't take away from the story. You know, it's like you weren't necessarily missing out on anything. You just had now had, in fact, by the end of that game, he was one of the people that I took with me everywhere. Like no matter what, um, he was just one of the better, uh, one of the better warriors, one of the better uh, fighters that you had. So uh, he ended up being one of my favorites to take with me. Uh, and I think it's the same thing for the uh, maybe it was Mass Effect. It may have been Mass Effect two or three that had the it had that girl that wore the hood that mm-hmm. she could turn invisible or basically cloak herself and and she was kind of a ninja type. You know, a thief is what she was. I think. Mm. Um, and, and, and she was a part of one of the downloads, one of the, uh, DLCs as well. Um, and that one, again, it added to the story. So with all of that, um, I, I think stuff like that is fine to, to add to the game. And I don't think there's, you, you don't have to justify it to me. I definitely purchase it. But when it comes to, 
you know, uh, content that should have been included when it comes to content or, or being able to purchase uh, your way to, to completing a game. Uh, you know, I think even when you're able to purchase currency, um, I, I don't agree with any of those things. I don't agree with, uh, uh, I don't agree with anything with you having to pay for something that allows you to be competitive. So like you yeah. were able to buy better guns or, um, uh, instead of having to earn those things in the game, um, that's yeah that kind of cosmetic stuff's fine um you know i've had some people that argue that these these uh card games are that way that you know i don't want to i don't want to play a game like that and i because you have to buy the actual the expansions if you want to be competitive in the standard uh ranked matches and what i had to say about that is if you play any of these card games and and it's this is one of the situations where i feel like the definition was a little bit too loose where they tried to kind of apply it to something that I don't necessarily think it applied to. This is one of the games where if you you can be competitive up to a certain point if you don't buy any of the expansions. That's fine. But if you want to get the full effect of the game, this is not paying to win. This is the game is continuing to evolve. This is one of those games that's kind of a living breathing game. You it's going to keep moving forward. You don't have to buy all the past expansions. You'll just need to stay current with whatever is going on right now if you want to stay in the meta and be competitive with these games. I just think it's it's like, uh, I don't know. I mean, it, card games just, I don't think, fall into that. You're not, because you, you can't buy good cards. You can't buy, like, the gold cards or the legendary cards. All you can do is buy packs. All you can do is put together your, your deck and then go out there and be competitive. It takes skill to be able to play those decks. You can't. You can put all the best cards in, and you can build one of these decks that you can find on, you know, on Hearthone or Hearthpone, whatever. And they'll, you know, they'll tell you exactly what to put in your deck, and you can still suck because you don't know how to play the cards, and you don't you don't play them in the right order, and and don't understand, you know, the the, the meta game. So I think mm. there's still skill to it, and I I think I don't think that that particular example falls into this category. Um, so you know, in ga- any kind of in-game purchases where uh, you know it's it's either cosmetic uh, or it's adding you know a, a an an element that that uh, does not affect necessarily the outcome. All it does is is kind of enhance the game. You know, I think those because that makes it optional. You don't have to purchase this. You know. Um, yeah. When they I would, it, I yeah. would, I would make a distinction because sometimes when they create the game, they know what is going to be a super popular character, or whatever. So yeah. With the add-on for the the ninja character, for example. Yeah. I think that works in things that aren't existing franchises, but if, for example, something like Marvel Ultimate Alliance. Right. If some of the most popular characters were optional buy-ons, right. that would be like a super negative for me. Absolutely. So, you know, if you couldn't play Iron Man unless you bought him, that, I mean, everybody wants to play Iron Man, so who's not going to, you know? Right. Whereas Aquaman was the only character you got to start with, you know, I think it wouldn't be very, like, genuine to right. the people that are fans of the franchise. 
So this is sort of a problem that I see in Star Wars online because some of the coolest ships are ones that are behind a paywall. Yeah. Which is a shame because you know people are going to want to have the Enterprise and things like that. You know, like that's just part of enjoying the franchise. Did you say Star Wars or Star Trek online? I think that was a Star Freudian Trek, slip. Yeah, Freudian yeah. slip, yeah. But but same, you know, any sort of like key franchise, not like a mythical franchise. I think extra characters work for unknown franchises. I think it works for Dragon Age where you don't know any of the characters. They're not real, like, right. canon already. Yeah. Exactly. But I think for anything that's a genuine franchise, you wouldn't, like, the people who publish it, they know what's popular and they definitely shouldn't put those things behind a paywall, but have seen it happen before. Yes. Yeah, and, and stuff like that I think is unacceptable, and and I think the companies that understand, they understand the the fans. They they're doing this for the right reason. They're not just trying to do this to make money. I mean, obviously that's what they're out there to do, but they want to put a good product out there first, and they want to give people what they want because honestly, that that kind of goodwill goes a long way. It goes a whole lot farther, further, further, farther, further. It goes a whole lot further. Um, when you do it that way uh, with your fans, and I feel like that kind of goodwill, that that's what BioWare's done and some of these other companies where it's like, I'm going to purchase your product without having to have done a whole lot of research on it just because of your track record and your history and you've got a good – you we have a good rapport with the fans and that company to trust that whatever they're going to release, they're going to release. And if they have DLC or if they have any kind of in-game content that you can pay for, that you can believe that – if you've got the money, that it's probably going to be worth it. It's going to enhance the game, and it's going to be worth your time and effort. So, yeah, I think I think all that stuff is valid. And I, I'm hopefully, uh, you know, I don't play a lot of games that have uh, in-game purchases that I have that I feel like I have to to get, and and I don't have a lot of time. So even with The Witcher, I don't know that I'm going to have time to finish that game, whether I got the in-game. <laughs> extra DLC or not, you know, so that's just enough. And I, what I heard is the DLC for The Witcher is pretty, or Witcher 3, that is, is about as long as the game is. Yeah. So, I mean, you get two games out of that, you know, essentially. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, that's fantastic. You know, that, that goes that goes so far that they were able to actually do that. So. Well, good. Now that we're solving all the world problems, let's, let's bring it back. <laughs> Let's bring it back a little bit, and, and uh, let's go to our last segment where we actually talk about one of our favorites in our in our uh, segment that we call featured featured favorite. We need a we need a music for this featured favorite. We need to get Daniel on that. Featured featured favorite. Featured favorite 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 favorite. <laughs> so featured favorite this week. What is uh, what is your featured favorite that we're going to add to this list of ultimately the greatest games ever, as according to Retro Rebel? <laughs> ultimately, the favorite games ever, as according to. It's yeah. a very long title. It is. It's catchy. Not catchy. It's going to be difficult to roll up time. We'll think of an, some sort of, uh, we'll shorten it, abbreviation. So. <laughs> um, well, I guess I'll go for uh, one that they keep trying to sell us continually on every platform that has ever existed and uh say skyrim uh skyrim. It's a great game okay you know it, it's so good they keep trying to sell it to you over and over and over and over and over <laughs> and over and over, and over <laughs> on every platform you've ever seen and on virtual reality and 
everything. But it it's a solid good game. It has a sense of gravitas. I think if you hear the music, you like recognize it instantaneously. It's kind of become iconic. Like the you know, the the sense of wonder when you saw the open world for the first time um when it was released almost 10 years ago uh you know it looks big it feels big i think the bugs in it are actually like charming at this point so the the indestructible horse that can go <laughs> vertical and everything you know all that sort of stuff is actually like charming many years on where right. it's kind of a tenant of the series um and you know the some of the graphical elements that you don't really think about but are pretty powerful like you know when you absorb the dragon's soul and you know the skin's crumbling and cindering and you know kind of fading away just really looked good for the time and even now um and i think it was really well put and thought together i think they need to make a new one and i think they need to stop selling us skyrim because we, we pretty much own it on everything um <laughs> but i think it is it is a favorite game and and a really good one that i i've actually played through to as close to completion as i think i will ever get uh two or three times now so which is wow. for a game that size is is pretty big deal but yeah, yeah i'd firmly put it in that category yeah, I would. Um, I would say so. If you've played played it through that many times, um, I have yet to play through it once. Um, it, again, it's it's a time thing, it's, and it's it's one of those games that I own and I have not traded in or turned in because of that fact. It's one of those I feel like it deserves that time, and and I want to be able to play it before it's too late. You know, before we've moved on to the point where it's kind of not you're not able to really enjoy it. Um, I remember when I first started the game because I I played Morrowind and I didn't I didn't finish it either. Again, it was a you know a massive game that I just wasn't able to to complete. Um, and I remember walking the the uh, countryside in Skyrim and I saw some giants, which seemed to be pleasant enough. They weren't doing anything or bothering anybody; <laughs> they were just kind of over there. But if you get too much, if you get too close to them and you aggro them, um, they they did. One hit me. One shot. Yeah. Me. And yeah. across the map. That was always fun, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and you, I learned the hard way exactly how this how this works. So uh, that you could easily wander into the wrong area and get murdered. And, you know, and, and there will be no warning. It's like, no, you just went to this village, and I've been riding for maybe a good ten minutes. Uh, and then just found them and said, hey, I wonder what they're doing. Let's go talk to them. <laughs> You know, and then you get squashed. So I think their use of costuming yeah. is really powerful as well, because, you know, I tend to play as a stealth archer in any game where I'm able to do so. Yeah. Um, and the uh, the night night wish night tingale nightingale um, yeah. guild, the armor set for that, the, the light armor set for that just really feels true to the. I was playing, and the second that I opened up that, I was like, "Yep, I need to do that first before everything else." So now I look right for the rest of the game. Yeah. Um, and even though I got more powerful things later on or whatever, that was still the set that I wore because I feel like they understand, especially when you go, you know, down a guild faction or something like that. They totally understand the look that that sort of RPG element would be going for, and yeah. I think that's one of the strengths of that series is they put a lot of thought 
into how you might be playing this out. And even if you, you know, do all of the quests that you possibly can or whatever, it doesn't feel like it detracts from the RPG side of the story because you could be doing it as an act of subterfuge or whatever. You know, I feel like you can yeah. you can play it all off. It You don't feel terribly constricted by your choices. And even yeah. though that seems a bit counterproductive to an RPG as a whole, I think it also makes you allowed to be a bit more fleshed out character because it isn't super binary. Yeah. No, okay, I can... There's just so much to do in that game, and so much you can do that sometimes I think I felt overwhelmed. Um, I think I don't think this is spoiler in any way, just because this has been out for so long and on so many different systems. And I and honestly, I don't care. So spoiler, if you want to take it as a spoiler, but uh, there's a one of the villages. I guess it's going to be so vague, no one's going to think it's a spoiler anyway. There's one of the villages where there's I think there's like a vampire. There's somebody that's actually killing people at night. And you find out where that individual lives, but you've got to be able to get past the guard to get into that house or whatever. And you, so you got to be able to pick the lock while a guard's not there or watching you or whatever. And um, so to be able to do that and be able to get to the person, I, I finally confront them. And I guess somehow I either I, it got bugged or whatever, but like I could never I could never defeat that individual, and, and somehow I pissed him off, and so I can't even go back to that village right now, because either everybody in that village just pissed at me, or that person's just kind of waiting there outside their house for me to come back, and I'm like, well, shit, now I can't go back to this village. I really don't know where else to go. That's where my companion was, and I left him there, and so now I can't do anything. Um, and I think at that point that was a few years ago, and I just left it there. So. Uh, I, I think it's really easy to to get in over your head in that game, but I but I think that's part of it and a part of the game is that um, you have so many different choices and so much uh, so much that you can do in the game that that it can be overwhelming to someone who you know is just trying to pick it up and if you put it down for any length of time and try to come back to it um, that that's that's definitely a challenge of it. But I think that's also one of its that that's what makes it so rich is that there is so much to that particular game. Um, yeah, that's a good choice. Uh, Skyrim is definitely worthy of that. For me, uh, one of the and I, I guess it's on the current gen, but from the PS3 generation, um, The Last of Us would be one of my favorite games. Uh, one of my top ten favorite games of all time, and I'd say it's probably in my top three of all time. And that's probably that's because of the story. Um, I am not a it, I, I, w I don't know that I would consider this a survival horror game necessarily, although I think there are elements of that to it. Um, like I said, it's scary, um, but it's not survival horror, and it does take. It took me forever to finish it, but from you know, from the music to the story to the uh, you know the and most importantly to me, it was is really the story set in a world that's very real, that seems like it's it's uh, a very I mean, it's set in it was it starts in Texas and it's and it seems like you know me being from Texas originally, and it and it's Austin, Texas area, you know it, it just seemed very real like um, and something that could happen. And since my my background and professionally is kind of in the sciences anyway, the idea that you could have this fungus that grows in your head and turns you into this mushroom faced 
psychopath because it affects your brain and it makes it to where you can't hear anymore or see and all you can do is hear and so you have to click make this clicking sound to use sonar so that you can determine where people are and then from there you know and then once you get enough of these of this fungus in you you just kind of burst into a bunch of spores and it spreads it's disgusting yeah but all that said, it it uh, it created a, a living, breathing world that that feel that felt um, very real, and like I, I love the soundtrack. I listened to the soundtrack, uh, or at least that the the more uh, the more famous intro song. I don't know if you've listened to it. The the just it's just guitar. It's just a guitar. I I don't have a PS4, so. It was yeah, on PS3. I've never been able to play Did it. Did you ever have a PS3? I've never been able to, I've never had a PlayStation. Oh, so wow. I've never been able to play it. Yeah. Well, I yeah, have a sad. digital version of it that if you ever got a copy, I have a free digital version. I would just give it to you just so you could download it and play it. Um, I think it's that good and it's, it's worth it to get an opportunity to play it. It's, there's so many things that happen in that game that took me by surprise. Things that, directions that they went with the story that I was not expecting. Um, that, and, and just, and putting, if you ever put yourself in that situation where you thought about it, like in the walking dead or anywhere else where it's, it's really the biggest, the biggest challenge for people are other people, how people act when shit hits the fan and the world is going to hell and people who are in charge, how do they really respond and how do they, how do they handle other people and, and, uh, just those, the human dynamic of it was kind of one of the most interesting parts of it. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it was just it was a great game, very memorable. One that I, I kind of want to go back and play, but because it was so terrifying, I'd much rather watch someone else play it because I want to see their reaction. <laughs> well, I want to see, I really want to see their reaction to these to the story because it did mean a lot to me and it was such a good game mm-hmm. um, that I want to, I kind of want to share that in a way, but I want them to experience it because honestly, if you're if you're playing it it's so much different to me than if you were watching it because you i mean uh you know for instance with uh it's one of the games where one of the mechanics of the game is to find items combine them to to create weapons so you have to find certain things you can make molotov cocktails but you can take those same ingredients and make like something else make like a mine or make something else uh and so it depends on your 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 gameplay style how and what type of of weapons that you might make and what things you'll combine to make you know and and you can uh, upgrade certain weapons that you have based on whatever your items are but you can also make other choices so it really there is a you know as we said in another previous podcast some role-playing elements that you might you could employ if you know based on your play style how and what kind of weapons you make. So I mean, there's just a lot of different choices. It's a it's a uh, a very uh, dynamic and engaging world and 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 a game that I think that if you have the opportunity, you know, it's to me, I don't know that I could say it's one of those games that would make it worth purchasing a whole system for, but it's pretty damn close um, just to get to play it. Uh, so anyway, that would be my particular choice, and I think. Uh, both those games deserve to be on the list. So we'll have that. We're going to put that list up on on the site uh, and keep a running tally so that you you, uh, you at home can, if you're keeping score, you'll be able to follow with us. So, 
Well, that wraps up this episode of Retro Rebel Gamecast. I want to thank Amanda for this week's discussion. All the notes from this week's episode will be posted on our site, templeofgeek.com. If you like this and want to see more from us, you can support us on Patreon at Patreon slash Temple of Geek. Any questions or comments, feel free to email us at RetroRebel at TempleofGeek.com. Please head over to iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you download and rate us, because that really helps our show. Until the next time. See ya.